my name's Alice. Um, my husband Matt and I are the site pastors for this site here at Cardiff Centre along with Paul. Paul, there you are. Um, who particularly looks after our evening service. It's lovely to be here this evening. Um, I am going to carry on um, as what's been a little mini two-part series called Invite Your World. And we started it a couple of weeks ago and then, yeah, finishing up tonight. And so to start the evening, I actually want to start by inviting Mark and Anthony up. kind of cosy, cosy up here. You go, Anthony, have that. Um, and so, yeah, I asked these guys to come up. You may or may not know, but we have our, um, a big alpha launch coming up on Friday. We're about to start alpha courses. And um, I was chatting with Mark this week, and he was telling me about the conversation he had with Anthony and his kind of story surrounding alpha. And we thought, Do you know what? Let's start um, the talk this evening by hearing a bit from them. So I'll hand over to you, Mark. Thank you very much. Good evening. It's great to be here in the evening. My name's Mark. I'm part of the team here at Cardiff Vineyard. And I head up Alpha. So those of you who've not heard of Alpha before, you might be some people here who have never heard of it. Alpha's, uh, it's like a national course you can do. It, it goes on for about eight to ten weeks. And it's kind of, kind of like a basic introduction to the Christian faith. It looks at kind of who Jesus is, why does he die, why did he die for us, kind of how do you read the Bible, how do you pray, all stuff like that. And it's a great place to kind of explore those really big questions in life that often all of us, well, some of us never get actually round to asking. So we are running three Alpha courses coming up very, very shortly. And to launch the Alpha course series, we are starting with a massive party this coming Friday night, as you can see on there. So this is going to be a cracking night. And I've heard, actually, a little birdie told me that the evening service is where the party people hang out. Is that true? think so. Oh, maybe it's the morning or the north, I don't know. Um, so anyway, so there's a massive party going on. Now, tickets are on sale. You can go buy them on online on our website. They're £5. You get a drink on arrival. And there's going to be a fantastic band coming called Base 12. Now, if you came to the, um, the charity ball at uh, the uh, end of last year, they were there. And they're a fantastic band. And so even I end up going on the dance floor. They're that good. So uh, they're really, really good. And also, we've got... Um, our very own John Paul Davis, who comes to this church, he's going to be he basically works for Sky Sports in the week, uh, Sky Sports News, and he's going to be sharing his kind of journey and his testimony of faith. So the whole thing is, it's an amazing opportunity to think about inviting somebody to come along. It might be a course mate, it might be a housemate, someone who's kind of like potentially exploring faith, and just an opportunity to come and bring them along, have a great night, get to meet loads of other people, and they might think about coming on the Alpha course afterwards. So it's just a really, really great opportunity. So like Alice said, this week as an Alpha team, we've got three courses going on. Uh, we met up just to kind of pray for the coming up courses, and Ant came along to our house. Now, I've never met Ant before until this week, but he's on the Alpha team already, and um, <laughs> it's quite funny. But um, yeah, we just had a little share our story really. Ant came on Alpha um, a, couple of year, well, a couple of years ago now, and I just wanted to ask him a couple of questions. Um, interview question, just to kind of find out about his journey and uh, what he, what he, how he found Alpha. So I've written them down to make sure I don't go off piste. I said this this morning. So, okay, Anthony, nice to meet you. <laughs> so, yeah, you were invited to come along to Alpha, as you very well know. I already said that. Um, <laughs> so tell us a little about... Hang on a minute. He was on the Alpha team. Yeah. <laughs> no. So tell us a little bit about your invitation to Alpha, and I guess tell us about where you were from a faith perspective before you came on Alpha. Uh, so I went on Alpha two years ago. I went on a course run by Mike and Rachel Lewis, 
Uh, they held it up in their house in Pompernay. Um, I was originally invited, well, I was, I was invited, not originally. No, no, <laughs> one person invited me. <laughs> uh, I was invited by my brother-in-law, Ollie, down the front here, um, uh, because he knew that I was sort of looking into faith and some of the questions around that. Um, and originally, he, you know, he, he asked me to come along, and I just straight away just instinctively said no. Uh, <laughs> and I was like, no, I do this on my own, mate. Um, but, so, you know, but after, you know, after I rejected the invite, um, a few days went by and I just, I just found myself really sort of, you know, just, yeah, I was a bit gutted and I didn't think about it. And, but then I was too proud to, to go and ask Ollie again. Um, so Ollie being Ollie, he's very persistent, uh, asked me again then, you know, sort of a few days later. Uh, and I said yes. And then I went on the Alpha course. Um, so before I went on Alpha... Um, well, for 29, 30 years, I was an atheist. I'm 32 now. Uh, and, you know, I was just, you know, I just, I just couldn't believe, I didn't understand how people could believe in God. Um, and I thought that there was overwhelming evidence uh, against it. Obviously, I was proven wrong. Uh, but, so I just sort of, I met my wife in 2011. She's Christian. Her family are all Christians. Um, and I sort of got exposed to what being a Christian actually is rather than what I thought it was. Um, and then, sort of late 2016, I heard or I, got to, I was told a quote by C.S. Lewis. Forgive me if I get it wrong. Uh, but the quote goes something like, Christianity... Christianity... Uh, <laughs> getting it wrong already. <laughs> it's the nerves it is. Uh, so Christianity, if false, is of no importance, but if true, is of, is of infinite importance. Um, what it is not or what it cannot be is moderately important. So I just realized that I was basing my decision on no evidence. Um, I'm an engineer. Like in my day job, I look at the pros and cons of all decisions, normally get a spreadsheet going. Uh, <laughs> look at the evidence and then try and make the best decision. And I realized that, you know, one of the biggest decisions, if not the biggest decision that you can make in your life is whether to believe in God or not. Um, so I made it my New Year's resolution, 2017, to look into the reliability of the Bible, where the foundations of Christianity lay and, you know, how legitimate they were. Um, with the whole goal, my goal was to you know, prove my argument right, prove it was a lie and a conspiracy theory. <laughs> you about that now. <laughs> Fantastic. So tell us, Anthony, about your kind of journey over Alpha, over the weeks on Alpha, and what kind of impact has that invitation to go on Alpha made upon your, your life? So when I first got to Alpha, I was, you know, still very guarded. Um, like, I, like I, I was refusing to be prayed for. Um, I asked a lot of hard-hitting questions, uh, probably upset a few people. Uh, I heard, but, yeah. yeah, I heard that. Uh, <laughs> they just walked out. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, just you know, the questions that, every, uh, that are on every non-believer's lips, like why does God allow suffering, and what about the wrath of God in the Old Testament, and things like that. Um, so then, during my time on the Alpha course, I had loads of free coffee, loads of free food, which was great. <laughs> Um, but on a serious note, the, you know, just the, 
the things that were being said each week and uh, the sort of, what's the word I'm looking for? The content in the DVDs by Nicky Gumbel and, and the questions that I had answered, um, you know, just sort of really sort of started tipping the scales for me. Um, and, and yeah, then after Alpha, I still refused to go to church uh, because I, I, I believe that, you know, I didn't, I, I kept telling people I didn't want to fake it till I made it. I didn't want to just be surrounded by all you lovely people and this amazing community and then fall in love with the community instead of falling in love with Jesus Christ. So, you know, I just, I tried to distance myself from it. I you know, just thought I could still do it on my own. Um, but then the church split and we had a new site and big group started for North and I, I went along to that. Um, and then I started and I committed to going to big group, uh, sorry, the North site every week. And then I signed up for Mike, Lu- <laughs> I signed up for Mike Lewis's small group. And then within like a month, he had me serving on host team uh, <laughs> in the North. Um, and yeah, just slowly after that, um, I started trying to expose myself to the Word of God in, in different ways, reading the Bible more, doing simple things like signing up for Verse of the Day, switching to a commu- uh, Christian radio station. Um, and eventually, you know, Alpha was the kickstart and, you know, the, uh, one of the key points in my eventual salvation. So. That's amazing. So what would you say, Anthony, to kind of people here this evening thinking about maybe inviting someone to the launch party on Friday or inviting someone to come on an Alpha course? Firstly, I would just tell you to be strong and courageous, just as the Lord told Joshua to be. Um, And just, if there's someone that you love in your life, and we should love everyone because we're Christians, so that's everyone to you guys. Uh, (laughs) I hope you've picked up a lot of invites. It's a high uh, bar, high bar this evening. Yeah, exactly. Um, then, you know, if they're not right with Christ, then you are obligated to give them an opportunity to, to change that. You know, you, and you just, all you've got to do is, is ask them. Um, the first person you ask will be the hardest. Like, all that anxiety, the nerves will be there. Uh, but as soon as you ask them, you know, that'll just melt away and you'll just have confidence then, especially if they say yes. Uh, but if they say no, that's fine as well because they might say no when you press them again. Um, and, I, you know, I would, just, I would just state that. Just don't give up on people. And, um, you know, Ollie didn't give up on me. I said no originally and I regretted it. And, you know, he asked me a few days later or a week later and, and you know, I said yes. And it, that is one of the best decisions I ever made in my life. And, I just strongly urge you to, to give that opportunity to as many people as you can. So good. So have you got anyone? Um, round of applause again. Yeah. <laughs> so, so Anne, have you got anyone coming on to the Alpha launch party on Friday? Or? No, they all said no. I don't, but I, that's not what you told me earlier. No, so uh, I'm first generation Christian. None of my family are uh, Christians, so... They're obviously a big goal for me at the moment. Um, so both my brothers have accepted an invite to the launch party. Um, I'm working on my sister, uh, which is going to be much harder. Um, and like the amazing thing is that I asked them, expecting them to say no. They both said yes fairly easily, really. I just told them that it was important to me that they came along, and, and they said yes. 
and my eldest brother is actually bringing someone else. Um, <laughs> so, you know, it's just, it's, just, it's just exponential. You know, the more people you invite, the more people they talk to, and, you know, the bigger this thing gets and the more people, you know, come into the kingdom. So, uh, yeah, and my best friend has accepted me as well. As well so, yeah. <laughs> So good. Thank you so much. I mean, I don't know about you guys, but I'm just so utterly inspired by what Anthony has spoken about tonight. And I'm just remembering, actually, when, when I was in small group with uh, Ollie and Amy over there, we remember like, they kept mentioning this Anthony. I didn't know it was you at the time, but we prayed for you quite a lot over the duration of uh, the course and stuff. And I think prayer is such a massive thing in people coming to faith as well. So I just encourage you to really pray for your friends. But I would just say, like, along what Ant said, is, like, just encourage you to have a go at inviting um, someone to come to the launch. Like, maybe buy some tickets in faith, ask some people, see if they come along. And say, if, if, if everyone you ask, or ask a few people, they, they can't come, they can't make it, don't worry. Please, please just come anyway. It's going to be a great party. People from all three services will be coming. So it'll be a great place to get to know people. Great opportunity to host other people who are new, like Ant's friends. And it'd be great just to have great conversations. So, there we are. Yeah, we just wanted to start with that, just to kind of set the, the tone for what we're kind of thinking about and talking about in this series. I feel like I could almost finish there with that point said. There we go. Um, and yeah, just to kind of reiterate, like our kind of invitation, um, you know, to, towards everyone here is come. Come and invite someone to come on this Friday night. But you know what? If everyone you are says no or they can't come or whatever, um, just come anyway. I would love us as a whole church to commit to being here on Friday night to host those people that are coming, that are exploring faith. Let's come and make it a really, really fantastic night. So I would love it if everyone here, if you are around at all on Friday, prioritize coming on Friday night. Let's have an amazing party. I said, bring people along with you, but failing that, just come anyway. And let's just have an amazing, amazing evening. So we are really excited about it. Um, and so as part of that, I said, we're looking at this, uh, this series, Invite Your World. And um, I feel like I said, we could almost just finish there. But what we are going to do this evening is little, look a little bit into the passage that's been our key passage for this whole series. So I'll just dive right in, if I, if I may. Um, it's Luke uh, chapter 5, and I'm going to read 27 down to 32. It'll come up behind me. You'll get it on your own Bibles if you've got a Bible with you. This is Luke 5, verse 27. After this, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector by the name of Levi sitting at his tax booth. Follow me, Jesus said to him. And Levi got up, left everything, and followed him. Then Levi held a great banquet for Jesus at his house, and a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with them. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, who belonged to their sect, complained to his disciples, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus answered them, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. So much happens in just a few verses, doesn't it? But look, how does this start? What does it start with? This story starts with an invitation. It starts with an invitation um, from Jesus to Levi. He says to him, follow me, follow me. Now, this was a highly controversial invitation. You know, we learn from the passage that Levi was a tax collector and tax collectors were not popular people. You know, he's probably not a great guy. You know, tax collectors were local people, um, Jewish men who collected taxes from their own people to send off back to um, the Roman Empire, who at this point um, are controlling um, the nation of Israel. So kind of at best, <laughs> they're, um, you know, they're not very integrous or they lack kind of principles. Um, but you know, at worst, they were seen as traitors. 
You know, here they are taking money from their own people, hard-earned money, and it was like they were massively taxed, and they're sending all of it back to the Roman Empire. So they were seen, if you were a tax collector, you were seen as a traitor. You were seen um, as a collaborator with the Roman enemy. And so socially, amongst their own people, they were outcasts. They were um, completely ignored. In fact, there was a debate amongst kind of the, um, the rabbis of the time about whether a tax collector, if they, if they stopped being a tax collector, if they repented from being a tax collector, could they even be forgiven? So great had their sin been by even being a tax collector in the first place. So they were seen as like the worst of sinners. And you'll often see tax collectors and sinners put together. And throughout the Gospels, they were seen as the worst kind of sinners. They're against the people of Israel, their own people. So here Levi is, a tax collector. And he's sitting in his tax booth by the sea, probably. Um, they, think he, they reckon he was um, taxing local fishermen of their hard-earned cash. Um, you know, fishermen like Peter, one of Jesus' disciples. Um, so it was highly controversial. Jesus comes along and he sees Levi there. And what does he do? He reaches right into Levi's world and he offers an invitation. Leave that. Come follow me. Come follow me. The fact that he would want Levi to follow him and be one of his disciples, to be one of the, the, kind of the, the group of 12 men that would learn from Jesus and do the stuff Jesus did, the fact that he would even include a tax collector in that invitation was highly, highly controversial. And, 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 and even more so, it was highly unlikely that Levi would say yes if you think about it, it was highly unlikely that Levi would say yes. You know, at this point in his life, Levi has made so many choices away from the things of God. He's made so many choices, choice after choice, to be doing what he's doing. And he's totally rejected God through those choices. You know, in fact, of all the people to be one of Jesus' disciples, I reckon Levi must have been one of the most unlikely people to say yes. But Jesus saw something in him in that moment. And he leans in, he offers an invitation. And you may, you may or may not know, but Levi here, he has another name to go by. Levi was also known as Matthew. Um, and in the other versions of this story, um, he's called Matthew. And Matthew um, was one of Jesus' disciples um, and actually is the Matthew that wrote Matthew's gospel. So wrote one of the four stories of Jesus' um, uh, life on earth. You know, words that we still read today. This is Levi. This is the beginning of his story of Jesus seeing something in him and calling him and saying, come follow me. That's the invitation that Jesus is offering Levi. He, Levi was such an unlikely candidate. It made me, um, as, I was, as I was been thinking about this story, it reminded me of another story I'd heard recently by Owen McManus, who leads a church out in LA um, called Mosaic. And um, he was talking about a story from when he was in that process of exploring faith. And he was talking about when he was in college and he used to play a lot of basketball. And in this story, he was describing how, you know, him and a group of friends would meet together on a Friday night um, and they'd be playing basketball together. And actually a guy, um, a new guy kind of joined their group and was playing with them. And um, one evening they're in the, in the um, I don't say parking lot then, very American, in the car park, um, <laughs> parking lot, um, after um, basketball practice. And he's with a friend of his and this new guy comes over and starts talking to them. And it turns out this new guy is a Christian. And uh, this guy talks a little bit about his faith, how it is he's come to know Jesus. And then he says to them, look, you know, on Friday night, Next week we are having, um, you know, a lot of us Christians on campus, we're having a big party, we're inviting people to it, we're going to share a bit about, um, you know, who Jesus was. We'd love you to come along if you guys want to come. And this Christian guy, off he goes. So Owen is left there with him with his friend and he turns to his friend and says, I don't know about you, but I think that was really inappropriate, what that guy just did. I mean, here we are, we're playing basketball, we're just hanging out and he just what, interrupts what we're talking about and starts talking about Jesus. 
I think that was totally inappropriate, don't you? I mean, what was that about? And Owen's friend is like, I actually thought it was pretty interesting, actually. I think I might go to the party on Friday. And Owen's like, oh, oh yeah, okay, maybe. And um, so Friday night rolls around, and Amanda says, there's no way I'm going. There's no way I'm going to go. But you know what, maybe I'll just go down to that bit of campus, but the building on campus where I know that party's happening. Maybe I'll just go down there and see what it's, you know, see what's happening, see, see if I can see anything. So he goes down there, like, I'm definitely, definitely not going to go in. Definitely, there's no way I'm going to that thing. But maybe I'll just go inside the building and see, you know, see what it's like on the inside. And he goes, into the, there's no way I'm going in. There's no way. Maybe I'll just go down the corridor. And I know the room, the past in this room at the end. Maybe I'll just go down there and just, you know, see what it's about. So he goes to the end, down to the end of this corridor. And he finds himself the other side of this door and he's peering in and he can see this party going on. He can see this whole group of people and he's standing there and he's like, do I go in? Do I not go in? And he said, no, in that moment, if someone had come out and said, you know, do you want to come in? He would have said yes, but he just felt intensely awkward about the moment of just walking in and saying, yep, hi, I'm here. So he just stood there for a while and then he turns around and he walks off. And, um, you know, that's the end of that kind of story, as it were. But, you know, it's the beginning for him of a process of coming to know Jesus. Um, But what he said at the end of that story really stood out to me. He said, you know what, for everyone in that room, um, in their eyes, I was a hard no. You know, like Anthony was saying, I was someone who had loads of questions. I was like, you know, um, kind of a hard no. There was no way in their mind that I was, you know, interested in Jesus and who Jesus was. And then he says this, but underneath my hard no was a desperate yes. Underneath my hard no was a desperate yes. And as I was listening to that talk, I kind of wrote that bit down. That has stayed with me for the last few weeks. And as I came to look at this story of Levi, I thought, you know what? I reckon that's what Levi was. You know, a hard no, but underneath a desperate yes. A hard no, but underneath a desperate yes. And Jesus sees through Levi's hard no and sees this desperate yes. And he reaches in in that moment and offers an invitation. You know, and as we look at um, together this evening, what does it look like to, to begin to invite our world? The question I'd ask to start off would be, who have you written off as a hard no when actually there is a desperate yes in there somewhere? Who have you written off as a hard no when underneath there just might be a desperate yes? You know, if we're not careful, we can end up saying no on someone else's behalf, can't we? You know, to use this kind of metaphor of invitation, we can end up kind of sending an RSVP saying, nope, they're not interested. And we never invited them in the first place. We said no on their behalf without even asking them. We just saw the hard no and thought they'd never be interested. And you know what the number one reason why people don't come to church, why people don't ultimately end up knowing Jesus? It's because no one invites them. That's the number one reason, because we say no on other people's behalf all the time. So Jesus sees Levi, he sees his desperate yes, and he offers an invitation. So that's the first invitation in the story, and it's highly controversial. The second invitation is potentially even more controversial. This time it's Levi doing the inviting. And what he does is he throws a big party, um, invites Jesus to come along, and invites all of his tax collector friends and sinners, the, uh, the verse says, probably prostitutes. He invites them all to a party, and then he has Jesus come and meet them all. Um, Now, this would have been, let's be honest here, this would have been a party party, if you know what I mean. It would not have been kind of a respectful afternoon tea with your grandma kind of party. This was a party party. Um, You know, and um, if you were a religious person at the time, um, you know, kind of Jesus was this kind of up-and-coming rabbi. This was how people were seeing him as this teacher. Um, There's no way um, that a religious person of the time would have been seen at a party like that. There's no way, because they would have felt that they were unclean by even being there. 
There's no way a religious person would have gone near that party. But Jesus, in this moment, in an unprecedented move, cuts through all conventions. You know, he smashes through them. In a highly controversial move, he says yes, and he goes. And I like the fact he takes his disciples with them. It doesn't say whether they're like, yes, this is a great idea, or whether they're like, really, Jesus, what are we doing? <laughs> you don't know whether they've got it yet or not, but they go along too. And um, yeah, do you know what? Later on in this chapter, in Luke 5, it's a great chapter if you want to spend a bit of time in the Bible this week. Read Luke 5 through. It's amazing. All that happens just in one chapter. But towards the end of Luke 5, Jesus and his disciples, they get accused of going to too many parties. <laughs> oh, yes, that is the accusation put at their feet by the religious people of the time. I love that about Jesus. That is one of the so many things I love about Jesus, but that is one of the things I love about Jesus. You know, when we look at the life of Jesus and when we see the things he did, the people he hung out with, um, you know, the, the conversations he had, that is what God was like. You know, when we look at the life of Jesus, that is what God is like. That is what his priorities are. That is what he is about. And I love the fact that when Jesus, when God chose to come on earth as Jesus, I love the fact that what he was known for was hanging out with the, quote, wrong, wrong types of people and going to too many parties. I love that. Does the God you believe in look like one who would go, to, who'd go and be the life and soul of the party? Does that sound like the God that you follow? Someone that is full of joy and fun. Or do you see God um, in, in your mind, is he more like the religious people in this story who are like the party poopers, aren't they? They're there saying, oh, why is he doing that? They're just there on the outside criticizing, sucking the joy out of life. That is not who God is. If that's what you think about God as this disapproving, distant person, looking in, judging, that is not what God is like. God is what is, is, looks like Jesus. And Jesus right in the middle of that party, surrounded by people. And if you think about it, if, if Jesus was a party people, which he wasn't, Levi would never have invited him, would he? Levi would never have invited him and then invited all of his friends. The reason Levi invites all of his friends to come and meet Jesus is because Levi has met the most life-giving, joy-filled, party-loving, non-judgmental person he has ever met. And he wants his friends to come and do likewise, to come and meet this person, Jesus. And you know, as Christians, we are called to follow Jesus' example, aren't we? That is kind of our, you know, discipleship as Christians is becoming more and more like Jesus. And we are called to follow his example. And by that, um, yeah, and, by, and with that in mind, we are called to be the kind of people that other people want to have at the party. Who other people want to have at their parties. Now, that doesn't mean you have to be a raving extrovert. It doesn't mean you have to be the kind of person that wants to be the center of attention at a party. You know, we're not all created to be the same. It doesn't even mean that you have to agree with everything that's going on in a party, like the kind of party that Jesus is at right now. But it does mean that we are called to be the kind of people that bring joy and life to those around us. You know, to be the kind of person that other people want to have around them. It means as Christians, we are not allowed to be sour-faced party poopers. It's not allowed. I know that's what so many people think about when they think of Christians, aren't they? A bit sour-faced, judgmental, party poopers. That's not who Jesus was. That's not what we should look like as his church. So Levi wants his friends to meet Jesus. And, um, and so he does what we are talking about. He invites his world. Now, this story is the moment where Levi invites his world. That's what you could kind of give it if you wanted to give it a different heading. The moment when Levi invites his world. He invites a whole load of people who on paper would have been a hard no. But Levi has an inclination that they are also like him, a desperate yes. He invites them all. He invites everyone who would never be open to God. And then he invites the God who was open to everyone. And he puts them in a room and says, let's see what's going to happen. He puts Jesus in the middle and says to people, come see for yourselves. 
The invitation that Levi is offering in this moment is towards Jesus. Jesus in the middle of the room. That's what he's inviting people to, to, into the life that he has found in Jesus. He's saying, you know, this is the life that I found. Come see for yourself. And that is what we are inviting people into, isn't it? You know, that's all you've got to do. When we talk about invite your world, we're not ultimately talking about inviting people to church events or to our Sunday services or to the Alpha launch party. Though, of course, they're great things. What we are talking about is inviting people towards Jesus. That is what the invitation is. Don't be fooled into thinking it's anything else. And so church parties, you know, church on a Sunday, parties, the Alpha course, they're not the end in themselves. They're not the end in themselves. Instead, they are opportunities for people to come, to come in, to glimpse this man, Jesus, who has changed our lives. To come and for, to invite people to see for themselves this man that changes everything. And that's what the launch party is about on Friday. Let's get a whole load of people in the room, a load of people that know Jesus and a load of people that don't. And let's just see what happens when we invite people together and we put Jesus in the middle and say, here, come see for yourself. Jesus changes everything. That's what we're doing on the Alpha Party on Friday. Will you be part of it? Be part of making that happen on Friday night. Invite people into the life that you are living with Jesus. It's simple. It's saying to people, you know what? This is what I find. You want to be part of it too. You are welcome. The power of saying to someone, you are welcome. You are invited. Let's let people say no for themselves. And they will say no. That's okay. You know, if you think about it, in this party, Jesus is surrounded by people. Not every person in that party that day at Levi's house um, followed Jesus. You know, every person we invite isn't going to say yes, but let's not say no on their behalf. Let's not be RSVPing on their behalf. And kind of what I suppose what I'm circling around here, what I'm talking about is this concept of being kind of centered set in our thinking. It's a kind of a whole model of how we do church here is around this idea of being a centered set church. Now, you may or may not know that term. It's a sociological term around kind of organizations generally of how organizations function. And generally speaking, you have two different kinds of organizations. You have a bounded set and a centered set. And when the Vineyard Movement started, of which we are part, um, part of that was that we always were going to be a centred set movement. So I'll just explain the difference. I think I've got, oh, yeah. oh no, I think it's going to come great. A slide behind me just to kind of illustrate. So a bounded set church or a bounded set organisation is one where there's a clear in and a clear out. You'll see that kind of massive red circle there. You know, and in church terms, this is like, you know, a clear membership. You're either in or you're out. Or you have to behave in this way. You have to look a certain way. You have to say a certain things. You have to be from a certain kind of background to be in or out. Instead, we are a centered set church. And a centered set church, it looks messier. <laughs> it's hard to know who's on the in, who's on the out, and that's okay. Instead, what we believe is let's put Jesus in the middle of our community and just invite people in. And some people will be way out there just dipping their toe in. Some of us have been following Jesus for years and we're right in the center of it. Some of us, so you can see from the arrows, don't quite know which way we're going at the moment. Maybe we're not currently going that, you know, that quickly towards Jesus. Maybe we're going the other way. It looks messy, but you know what? The idea is that Jesus is in the middle and we're just saying, come. Come see for yourself. Let's all go on this journey together. There's no in, there's no out. And the Pharisees in this story, the religious people in this story, they represent what it looks like to do bounded set. That's what they represent here. To them, there was a clear in and a clear out. And these tax collectors, these so-called sinners, were definitely on the out. And these Pharisees, these religious people, they were on the in. You know, for them, there was a guest list and these guys weren't on it. And they're looking at Jesus in this moment and Jesus' disciples, and they're like, how can you even associate with people like that? Do you not know that taints you by comparison, that you'd even associate with people like this? And it's easy to kind of read it and think, you know, be scornful towards them in, in this story. 
isn't it? It's always easy to look at them and be like, oh yeah, gosh, so judgmental. But you know what? We all can fall into that trap. All of us can fall into bounded set thinking as Christians. It's easy to do this. You know, when we say no on someone else's behalf, when we kind of draw an invisible line around the kind of people that would want to know Jesus and the kind of people that don't, we create a bounded set church. We put that bounded set thinking into how we act. When we kind of judge in our own hearts, where we see so-called sinners and tax collectors out there and us in here, we create a bounded set church. And that's not what we're about. We're about putting Jesus in the middle and saying, come see for yourself this man that changes everything. Can you see how a centered set mindset is a deeply expansive one? It's a, one that, it's a mindset that changes everything. It's a kingdom mindset, you know, where there is always room for more people. There is always room for more. You know, Jesus had this incredibly expansive kingdom mindset. You know, in, in, his, in his kind of view, you know, there was always room for more people. He looked out and, you know, we see in those verses there, he could see that there was always sick people that needed a doctor. The need was endless. Jesus lived the most open, expansive life, open to other people. He was always up for an invitation to people's homes um, and, to people's, and into people's lives and parties. I love the story of Zacchaeus, another tax collector, which you may or may not know the story, but he sees this guy, this tax collector, Zacchaeus, and he points at Zacchaeus and says, I'm going to come to your house for dinner. He just invites himself, doesn't even wait for an invitation. Um, I'm forever with my kids, you know, when I pick them up from school, they'll often run over, I'll be talking to someone and they'll, um, you know, they'll be inviting themselves to one of their friend's houses, you know, saying to the parent, oh, can I come to your house and play? And I'm saying, no, you can't do that, we're British, we don't do that, don't invite yourself. So I'm so sorry he said that. No, sorry, yeah, no, we wouldn't dream of inviting ourselves over. And then on the car on the way home, said, you cannot invite yourselves to people's homes, kids, come on. Jesus did it all the time, though. He invited himself into people's homes. And do you know what? He'd look at people and he'd be like, I see the desperate yes. And do you know what? I want to honor you by coming to your house. You throw a party, I will be at it. That's the kind of expansive kingdom life that Jesus lived. You know, from the very beginning, and no more than what we see at the cross, Jesus spent his life on behalf of others. You know, the cross is the epitome of that, where Jesus spent his life on behalf of others. But even in his ministry, choice after choice, he is spending himself on behalf of other people, inviting them in, inviting them to this kingdom party that was happening, saying, hey, you, you think you're worthless? Come, be part of us. Hey, no one else will be seen near you. Come, be part of this. He's constantly expanding the kingdom and inviting people in. We are called to do likewise. You know, so Jesus invites Levi Levi invites his friends, and then the invitation for us this evening is to be like Levi, to invite our world. Just as Levi invited his world, we are called to do the same, to invite our world to come towards Jesus, to do the same as Levi amongst the people and communities that God has placed us in. Let's just think of it this way for a moment. If you were Jesus, imagine that for a minute, <laughs> um, and you wanted to impact, uh, have an impact on the tax collecting community of the time, how would you do that? How would you even begin to do that? As I think about it, I think there's probably one great way of doing that. It would probably take using one tax collector who had currently said yes, getting them to throw a party for all their friends and then turning up and being with them. Jesus, in this moment, through that invitation to Levi, he uses Levi to impact the whole tax collecting community. He uses Levi's yes to impact the whole tax collecting community in this moment. All these so-called sinners... How is Jesus going to impact your community, your workplace, your school, your, your friendship group? Might it just be through you? Could it just be through you? 
What if he wanted to use you in whatever community you currently find yourself in? What if he actually wanted to use you to bring impact? What if those are the people he is asking you to reach right now, this week? What if this was true? How would you live differently this week? It's so easy um, for us to kind of excuse ourselves out of doing this, you know. I don't know the people on my road because everyone's really unfriendly or, you know, I haven't really chatted to my course mates yet because, you know, I just, you know, I don't want to kind of go up to them or maybe I just don't know people in my workplace. It's not that kind of workplace where we get to know each other well. There's so many reasons that we can excuse ourselves from actually investing ourselves, from pouring ourselves out into the communities where Jesus has placed us. There's so many excuses that we can come up with. You know, when we, uh, when my husband Matt and I, when we first, uh, when our little ones started going to school, it kind of opened up a whole other load of people for us to connect with. And as we were getting to know some of the mums and dads at the school gate, um, you know, I was chatting to Matt and he became aware really quickly that a lot of the dads at the school gate weren't the kind of dads that he'd normally hang out with. You know, they're quite laddie. And Matt, if you know him, isn't really kind of a lad, kind of lad, if you know what I mean. I don't think that's an insult. He didn't think it was an insult, so there we go. Um, and he was like, how do I kind of relate to this? I feel a bit on the outside. What's my way in? Um, and we were talking about it. And do you know what? He came to realize that however he felt about it, whatever his perspective was on it, he couldn't get away from the fact that these were the people that God was calling him to be amongst. This was the group that he put him in. So who was it Matt's place to say, oh, I don't really connect here? And so Matt has totally changed his mindset on how he sees that community at the school gate now and how he sees those guys at the school gate. Um, he's recently started leading. We run a whole load of groups called um, our activity small groups. Our, our small groups, kind of, we do a whole load of, kind of load of different types of groups. And one of them is our activity groups. And there's also danger when we say we run activity groups that it looks like we're like, yeah, because Christians can just meet together and just be Christians and play football or rugby or, you know, do creative stuff together just as Christians. I just want to say that is not the point at all of those activity groups. The whole vision behind introducing those kind of groups into our small group schedule, the whole vision behind it is they are places of invitation. You know, we don't want just Christians in our small groups. That's not the point. We want to have places of invitation even within our small group ministry at this church. So those groups, the whole kind of, yeah, the, the, they're geared up to being like, hey, let's get a whole load of Christians together doing something they've got interest in, and then let's be inviting those around us to come and be part of it as well, and let's see what happens when we do that. So Matt is currently running a football group. Um, I wouldn't say they're not for kind of oldies. I got told off for saying that. Matt was saying how, like, if, if you know, in professional footballing terms, this would be the point where they stopped playing and became managers. It's at that point in their footballing career. So basically, oldies in their 30s, ancient to all of you, I'm sure. So it's kind of, you know, the older end of the, uh, of the guys in the church. And they are meeting... I'm playing football on a Wednesday night. And he's invited all, well, not all, but loads of the dads at the school gate. And they are coming. They are part of that. It's amazing to have, like, you know, guys that we know, that we see in the week at school, and then a whole load of some of you guys here um, all doing that on a Wednesday night together. And Matt has started to have conversations with them afterwards about, you know, their, their faith, what they think. He's talked to them about church and about his relationship with Jesus. You know, it's just at the very beginning. But Matt has totally changed his mindset. You know, who am I to say that these aren't the group of people that God would have, me to, uh, that would have me to connect with? Who am I to say they're not really my kind of people? What if you were to live this week with the mindset that for this moment in time, for this week coming, these are the people that God would have you be amongst. Those are the people that God is calling you to live amongst. To put Jesus in the middle of your life this week and say, hey, come, this is the life that I found in Jesus. Do you want to come find out for yourself? doing this party on Friday. Do you want to come and hear more about my faith, why it's so important to me? Do you want to come? We think Jesus changes everything. Let's commit as a community to being a people that invite our world.
Let's do this together as a community, to be people that commit to inviting our world, just like Levi did. You know, there is always room for more. Jesus is not done. You know, this is amazing. I mean, the evening service, you guys are an amazing bunch. And when we worship and the spirit force, it's amazing. But you know what? This isn't the epitome of what God wants to do in Cardiff. This isn't it. We're not finished. You know, as Jesus looks out on this city amongst your course mates, amongst your university friends, amongst your workmates, his heart breaks for the desperate yeses out there. And the lack of invitation, the amount of times that we say no on other people's behalf, so we just assume that there's no way they'd be interested. You know, Jesus is looking out and seeing the desperate yeses, and he is calling us amongst other churches in this city to be a people of invitation that are always inviting. There's always room for more. Let's be a people that learn what it looks like to live kingdom, expansive lives, where we regularly invite our worlds to come look at Jesus who changes everything. Should we stand? I'll finish there.